Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard, at Pierre Howdy on Twitter. This is a DLF podcast thingamajig. And um, listen, it's hard to track. It's surprisingly difficult to pass out how many people are listening or paying attention to a podcast every week. Some people are convinced they have the numbers. Some people are less convinced. And I am always confused between the differences in the different reporting agencies. But I would say, despite overwhelming, actually, which has been great, by the way, positive feedback on the in-season version of The Crossroads... Uh, I think the numbers have dropped. I mean, it's not terrible. I'm not upset. But especially considering the positive feedback, like, I just wanted to say, if you like it, let me know. Or at least tell a friend, maybe. Or, if you don't want to help me out that way, um, hit me up. Let me know what you don't like about it or why you stop listening more regularly, maybe. That would actually be great for me to know how I can do it better. Um, either way, because the numbers on podcast listens, like, I'm not sure if it's going well or going terribly, honestly don't know, and it's really hard to figure out. Uh, Surprisingly, actually, you'd think at this point in the podcast game, we'd have that stuff a lot more tied down, but uh, we don't. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to start a rant here, and just, like, I want to know if this is going well, and I'm having a lot of positive feedback, but the numbers seem a little squiffy, so, you know, hit me up. Uh, Let me know what you think. Or, you know, tell a friend. Get my numbers back up, I guess. Um, Anyway, let's do it. Uh, Looking at the first seven weeks of the fantasy season and my main takeaways for each team that are playing this week, not on Thursdays. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. In Arizona, Joshua Jobs scores a rushing touchdown. Now, last week we had a solid note on Trey McBride, but I don't claim to have seen Zach Ertz landing on IR in advance. And true to form, despite claiming a larger role, McBride failed to impress with only 11% of the total routes, which did result in 20% of the targets but only 29 receiving yards. But there's only been one player I've been consistently ranking much higher in versus ADP and also DLF consensus ranks for the last four months or so. Kyler Murray, especially in Superflex, obviously. While we wait to find out if his return to practice equals a return to the field in the coming weeks, and my anxiety about whether his top five fantasy QB was his peak or whether he can return to it, it's worth noting that I think Joshua Dobbs has done enough, especially for fantasy, to place him on the list of backup players we should probably always have interest in. The NFL, probably not so much. While he hasn't been bad, the team is now 31st in the league in win percentage, going 1-6 and six on the season, and it hasn't been within spitting distance of average conversion rate or pacer, the rate at which air yards are converted into receiving yards, this season. The team has averaged 0.45 conversion rate in the with a peak of 0.59, but the average is 0.76 on a week-to-week basis for the entire NFL. Amari DiMarcato took over the main running back role, controlling 80% of the team's snaps with 52% of the team's rushing attempts and 15% of the team's targets as well in Week 7. It's not flashy, 
but it's the type of volume to get on your roster, especially as the season wears on and injuries pile up. In Atlanta, the team finds new ways to hit new lows by not updating their injury tags accurately. Bajon Robinson didn't play this week, except for one carry towards the end of the game. What can I say about that? Tyler Algier is a borderline top 36 starter's position, even when Bajon Robinson plays, but there is upside, especially inside the top 24, when Bajon Robinson's not playing. Algier is actually running back 25 and weighted opportunity on the season, which is a nice mark to describe both of those things. As for when it is or isn't going to play out, it seems like it might be hard to tell from now on. In Baltimore, Lamar Jackson is one of five cornerbacks to finish top five three or more times this season. Positional scoring is down at both quarterback and tight end. We've had a three-year downturn in points per game. However, we've also been in an extremely rich era for quality players in Dynasty, with several young players breaking out at a high level early from Jalen Hurts to Justin Herbert. So despite the drop in positional scoring, because the position is itself is scoring so heavily compared to the rest of the positions, the slump hasn't really been felt. For example, the following players have all had as many games in the top five as Patrick Mahomes this season. Kirk Cousins, Anthony Richardson, Jared Goff, and Justin Fields. In the meantime, in the meantime, only five players have finished inside the top five, or better, more than twice this season. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Tua Tonga-Vailoa averages less than 20 points per game, and he's the only one on the list who does. At this point in the season, points per game rank is extremely sticky and reliable for the position, close to 80% barring injury. While Baltimore has reverted to the league bottom in passing attempts, passing only on 46% of his overall attempts this season, Lamar Jackson is a QB2 in points per game, and one of the very few relative difference makers at the position. And he still completes passes at an above average rate, even when adjusted for ADOP. In Chicago, Dante Foreman scores three times on 21 touches and gets 89 total yards. It was against Las Vegas who have allowed top five points to the running back position this season, but let's not undercut the job the 27-year-old journeyman did. Without Khalil Herbert or Roshan Johnson, Dante Foreman was able to co-op 21 touches, 42% of the team's rushing attempts, and 17% of the team's targets in Week 7. Notably, he had three rushing attempts inside the 20-yard line and two targets, compared to Darrington Evans, the only other guy with significant rushing workload, who had one rushing attempt in that area of the field. It looks like Foreman's role until health returns to Herbert, or more likely Roshan Johnson soon. But it is worth noting Evans's 36% of rushing attempts and 10% of targets could suggest it will be more evenly split some weeks, especially considering Foreman's 40 yards per touchdown in Week 7 is, very obviously, unsustainable. In Cleveland, the running backs flex their volume while the receivers continue to struggle on theirs. Mari Cooper and Elijah Moore both have significant roles, over 20% of the routes and targets, but remain very difficult starts, mostly only as flex plays right now, and the shift from underperforming Deshaun Watson to PJ Walker has done little to change their results, surprisingly. Both Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford finished inside the top 15 last week. Hunt is growing in the offense, but was limited a little bit it seems because of some nagging injuries. Both are in and around 30% of the team's rushing attempts on a per-week basis right now, and obviously Hunt is the higher upside play still, but it's kind of worth starting both most weeks. 
In Denver, Javante Williams hits his season high in snap share and route share. In week 7, Javante Williams had 38% of the team's overall attempts and 60% of the rushing attempts by themselves, 16% of the targets as well. He finished as a running back 20 on the week. The production wasn't his best, but the role has grown to where we can have increased expectations moving forward. I'd start him as a top 24 player at the position, being cautious, but still. Javante Williams for the win. Jaleel McLaughlin still has a high share of the red zone work, however, which persisted in week 7 with two rushing attempts and a single target in the tw- inside the 20-yard line. He has utility as a high-volatility upside play if you need a starter during a bye week or something like that. In Detroit, Jameer Gibbs takes over the full role in the absence of David Montgomery. With 76% of the team's rushing attempts, 20% of the team's targets, Jameer Gibbs finally fulfilled a lot of his fantasy manager's dreams this week, finishing as a running back three on, with 27.6 PPR points. 126 yards per touchdown is also kind of sustainable. Gibbs continues to be who we thought he was, and the backfield is probably the easiest to understand in the league. I don't think I need to dive into it too much. It didn't work out for the team, though, as they, as they lost six points to 31 and suffered their second loss of the season. Still, the fantasy points were fun. In Green Bay, Aaron Jones returns to 36, to 36% of the team's snaps, 27% of the team's rushing attempts, and 15.6% of the team's targets. Aaron Jones' usage has always been tough to trust in Green Bay, but his return, while muted as the running back 22 this week, was solid, and we could expect more top 12 volume weeks as he gets back to game speed moving forward. Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs split the targets evenly this week, giving five targets to each, or earning five targets for each at 15.6%. Watson did lead in route percentage, though, for the first time, 20% compared to Dubs' 19%. While the upside of the team is muted outside of high-scoring touchdown games, notably, Romeo Dubs has a significant ability to earn targets on a decent roll, while Watson is probably the lead in upside, in fantasy at least, if there is ever a quarterback on the roster able to take advantage of it. While I think rostering Dubs is strong in Dynasty, I'm not sure his value ever even ever escalates in a big way, or at least in a way we can reliably depend on. Whereas there should be some big weeks coming for Watson because of his skill set and the role he plays in the future, which could ignite the hype train once more. I think he's a play only building teams should look to sell points for this year. Whereas Dubs remains a depth option or a depth add with reliable startability in different weeks or over the long term for competitive teams looking for decent depth. Thought about digging into this situation a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure most of my the way players relate to each other in fantasy isn't going to translate well to comparing players directly. But in my mind, Romeo Dubs is more of a Jacoby Myers. Good player in a very solid role, especially in a team that needs a player to fill that role. Easier completions and stuff like that. But here we're delving into stuff that might compare directly to how players play, and I'm not really commenting on that. It's more about how they function in fantasy. Jacoby Myers is the upside this year, like with a top 12 role. He's a top 12 wide receiver in points per game right now, I think. And that's relatively rare that that type of player gets there. But they are consistently usable. Somewhere between Romeo... Romeo Dubs is going to land somewhere between, you know, Zach Pascal moving through Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Bourne this year, who has a mid-level usability, mostly just in baseball, 
and uh, all the way up to Jacoby Myers. That's the type of fantasy outcomes I foresee for Romeo Dubs, whereas Christian Watson is more of a Mike Williams in that he's going to struggle when the situation isn't there, but he can definitely have the upside in weeks and game momentum and hype trains and various different points in his career. Now, Houston was on bye last week, but I did want to mention that Houston's projections are notably weak for week eight. Two weeks there, I should probably edit that. Because they are comparing them to their hot start for their bye week, all their projections seem a little bit lower than you would expect. Carolina is a tough matchup, ranking top 12 against the quarterback position and top 9 against the wide receiver position, according to our partners for Four's adjusted fantasy points allowed metric. I also looked at this just through a raw fantasy points allowed metric and it came up with something similar. That's something to consider, not just in start-sit decisions, but for Dynasty, where we hope Tank Dow can rebuild his strong start from early in his rookie campaign, since he fell outside the top 24 in weeks 4 and 5 and seemed to suffer a little bit in target share. That was just before their bye week last week. In Indianapolis, Gardner Minshew scores three rushing touchdowns. It's hard to know where to start with Indianapolis this week. Gardner Minshew's three rushing touchdowns seem like a good place for me, but it could also be Jonathan Taylor's world, and Josh Downs is really good at living in it. He had six targets, 125 yards, and a rushing and a receiving touchdown this week. Or maybe it's just that Zach Moss maintained his role from the previous week with 50% of the snaps and 45% of the team's rushing attempts, despite the return of Jonathan Taylor this week. Strangely, not a lot has changed for us. It's tough being ahead of the curve on Josh Downs because we already knew and it's tough having already mentioned that Michael Pittman still leads in route share 24% versus 20% Pittman to Downs even last week it's tough because there's not a lot to say after such a great fantasy day we already kind of knew Jacksonville Calvin Ridley has a higher route share but continues to disappoint on it Feels like this is one of my biggest disappointments this year. Kevin Ridley once again held the route share at 21.5% versus Christian Kirk's 20.5% and also continued to disappoint on that volume. He scored negative three expected points added per touch each of the last two weeks. I think this is a big L for me on the season, but I don't know why. The volume is there. The team is winning. The quarterback is good. And Kevin Ridley has elite talent at the position. It's just not working in fantasy. It is working for Christian Kirk, however. He was running back 9 last week. He's running back 22 on the season in points per game. By which I mean wide receiver. It's also worth noting that the offensive snaps were a lot more split last time the team had a healthy Zay Jones, who could be coming back to unclarify this situation any week now. In Kansas City, Rashi Rice beats expectation again with 14% of routes and 17 PPR points. Rashi Rice showed up last week as a younger player who exceeded his expectations and added on a per-touch basis. But I thought his volume was notably muted in a similar role we've seen on this team before. However, he did manage a slight uptick in underlining routes this week, which fit the pattern we were looking for, from 10% up to 14%, and once again outperformed his volume, 1.9 expected points added per touch, finishing as a wide receiver 14 on the week. This was a heavy passing week for Kansas City, 42 passing attempts, their average is 38, 66% of their attempts in general were passing attempts, and their average is 59. But Rice has been a great second round ad from rookie drafts this offseason, and may well have been drafted outside the second round in some rookie drafts. So that's pretty cool. 
For the Los Angeles Chargers, Osteakula disappointed last week in a tough matchup for the position. The volume is still there, and Austin Eckler had 53% of the rushing attempts. Though his target share was notably low for his average, he had 6.7% of the targets. This looks like a bad result from a tough matchup. Kansas is a bottom three adjusted fantasy points allowed matchup according to 4 for 4, and I think he should still be started with confidence moving forward. Faces Chicago in week 8, who's ranked 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So that's a good place to start. Quinton Johnson held 15% of the team's routes this week. The second time this season, he's been in and around that number. He continues to struggle to convert them into targets, and in a target in only 7% of his routes. Most players who do well do a lot more by now in the rookie season, and his chances are now very slim moving forward to have positive fantasy results. But, maybe fittingly, the list of the players who've done that, the smaller list, does include the development of his teammate, Mike Williams. For Los Angeles Rams, the next Kyron Williams is no one, but Darrell Henderson is a close second. His running back 17 finish in week 17 wasn't as good as the four weeks Kyron Williams finished in the top 12, but it was about the same as the two weeks he finished outside the top 24. He had 58% of the team's rushing attempts, 7.4% of the targets, filling some of the rushing work with Royce Freeman, 38% uh, of the total attempts, of the total rushing attempts. He had no targets. He should be a solid start at the position moving forward for his 34% of total opportunities that he saw last week, which was similar to what Williams was doing in general on a week-to-week basis. For Las Vegas, Josh Jacobs looked like he topped out in week 7 after he ceded some snapshare to Zemir White. Devontae Adams' second straight disappointing week leads to a route decline, much to Jacoby Myers' benefit. Jacoby Myers has to be the cheapest path to a top 12 wide receiver this season, and I wouldn't hesitate to com- hesitate on a competitive team. Devontae Adams has struggled the last two weeks, scoring negative expected points added per touch. And Trey Tucker has even started to get more involved in the underlying routes, over 12% of the team's routes each of the last two weeks. After running over 80% of the snaps each week in 2023, Josh Jacobs finally dipped below 70%, he had 66%, and Zamir White took 22%, but this still resulted in 78% of the rushing attempts going to Jacobs. Probably just an out-of-control game script in a week that the team passed on a season-high 76% of their overall attempts in a road loss to the Bears. In Miami, today is a good day to remember who is good and let the world tilt around you. And because that I decided that didn't make sense to most. That might be a little too flowery, you know? Uh, my my subtitle here is, Buy Jalen Waddle, to make it clear. Leaving the field for some of the game due to a back injury he's been struggling with, Jalen Waddle managed to catch six, managed six catches for 63 yards. He had his season-low route share, obviously since he missed some of the game, 12%. His average is around 19%, and has muted ceilings on a weekly basis this season. Dynasty tactics of buying injured and sending offers on temporarily underperforming players were built for this moment. In New England, I might flex Kendrick Bourne. That's it. That's my entire summary of my interest in New England players in Dynasty right now. However, the sixth-round rookie Demario Douglas did get 16% of the routes and 20% of the team's targets, resulting in six total targets 53 receiving yards, and a positive efficiency week and expected points added per touch to land him on my young and maybe interesting list for the week. 
don't leave him on the waiver wire if you can find a roster spot, but also don't get too excited. It is New England. For the New York Giants, Jalen Hyatt, but Wondell Robinson. But really, it's just still just Saquon Barkley. After impressing last week, Rondell Robinson dropped in route share, down from 14%, down to 14% this week, but still returned positive expectations with with an efficient performance on his touches. It's worth noting the rookie, Jalen Hyatt, had a solid route share for the second straight week, 19% last week and 16% this week, but neither feels like a high upside candidate right now. However, having said that, Daniel Jones hasn't played since week 5 and is averaging 100 extra yards per touchdown on average this season. So he should be due touchdowns if he can get healthy and back on the field, which could hopefully help someone else on the team out. Honestly, it's just Saquon Barkley in Dynasty and it's nice to see Darren Waller hit 22 PPR points and have 29% of the team's targets last week, but I'm not sure the offseason hopes can really be said to pay off this far into the season. Maybe... Maybe not. In Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts isn't the Dynasty QB1, but mostly probably just on momentum and pizzazz. Also, DeAndre Swift hit his season high in snap share, but ceded red zone touches to Kenneth Gainwell, 21% of the touches inside the 20-yard line. In Pittsburgh, Najee Harris scores a touchdown. And a victory to volume, which still counts for something, even in Pittsburgh. It coincides with a season-high target share, by the way, 13%, which is three total targets, just to be clear. Jalen Waddle splits some of the high-value carry, high carries inside the red zone. He had 30% of the total touches inside the 20-yard line versus Harris's um, 50% of total touches inside the 20-yard line. And still had 30% of the rushing attempts overall. But the rumors of a takeover have been strongly exaggerated as far as I can tell. In Washington, Sam Howe struggles. Sack tendencies aside, and whether they can or can't be improved upon in the future, Howe has struggled the last two weeks, putting up his lowest pacer, 69% versus 68% in weeks... 69% and then 68% in weeks 6 and 7 respectively, and completion percentages... 60% and 59% respectively. I'm always over-invested and willing to root for lower-drafted players, especially with above-average college profiles, but the NFL is a show-me league, and without the performances, it's hard to argue he has long-term potential in Dynasty, with a new crop of above-average passing profiles arriving every year. The team now has a losing record, 3-4 in 2023. Of course, that doesn't rule out his viability more immediately. His Week 8 matchup is more positive, especially for his position, And he's ranked 15th in points per game so far this season, with as many top 12 weeks as Trevor Lawrence and Russell Wilson. Okay, that's about all I have for you this week. But let me know what you think, and feel free to look through my data, which is pinned to my Patreon timeline, it's pinned to my Twitter timeline, or, you know, comment on Discord, Twitter, or wherever you like, at PA Howdy, and let me know how it's going. Um, I'd really like to hear from you, as always, and I hope you're doing well in your leagues, obviously. Um, See you next week. Yeah, chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Yeah.
Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays though Pete enumerates the plays are analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays though Pete enumerates the plays are analytical